welcome to Pick Up and Deliver, the podcast where I pick up my audio recorder when I head out for a stroll and deliver an episode to you while I walk around. I'm Brendan Riley. Well, good afternoon, listeners. It is a sunny slash cloudy day. I guess partly cloudy is the word they use here in suburban Chicago. The temperature, according to my Google Home thing, is 50 degrees, and that feels about right. I'm wearing a heavy sweater, but not really much. I'm not wearing hat or gloves, anything too much about keeping myself warm. It's a nice day. The sun makes it feel warmer, even if I bet, I bet if it were completely cloudy, I would feel colder. We do have a fair amount of cloud cover coming in. It's possible that by the time I finish this walk, I might be getting rained on. I hope that's not the case, but it's possible. Also, I was not able to find the windscreen for my microphone, so apologies if the sound comes in a little windier than usual. Hopefully that won't ruin the whole thing. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and hopefully I can find it. I don't... I'm pretty careful about where I put my stuff, but I don't, I don't know why the windscreen is missing. Erg. Anyway. So, for my walk today, I thought I would talk to you about another uh, mechanism... I've been enjoying picking a mechanism and going through my collection and giving you a sense of the different games that I play with that idea at the center of them. And so that's what I'm going to do today. Today's mechanism, tile placement. So first I'll start by kind of defining what I mean by tile placement and how I decided what is or isn't a tile placement game. So tile placement, a tile placement game is one where the central mechanism or one of the central mechanisms of the game is choosing and placing tiles in a way that shapes the score that you get and the relationship between those tiles shapes the score that you get. So a big part of the game has to be using your planning sensibilities, using your visual sensibilities, recognizing the spacing, the way that spacing of different elements connect together in order to allow you to score points by connecting different tiles that you've taken. Now when I looked through my list of tile placement games that I had, there were a few that I excluded for various reasons. Probably the the one that I excluded that I think is most borderline in terms of being excluded is A Feast for Odin. Now A Feast for Odin is a tile placement game but also a worker placement game. Worker placement, of course, is another mechanism which I haven't done an epi- a, mechisode fo- a mechanism-focused episode on before. But worker placement is the practice of putting out a worker and then getting to do something based on that worker. Agricola is one of those. Everdell is one of those. It's a pretty common mechanism these days. A Feast for Odin is a worker placement and tile laying game. It's both. So, from that perspective, it probably should be on this list. But I excluded it because I feel like the tile placement is secondary. The worker placement feels more important. Although the tile placement in A Feast for Odin is far more important than it is in, say, something like uh, Agricola, where you technically do place some tiles in terms of putting out your different rooms and putting out your farm fields, but it's minimal. So I excluded A Feast for Odin from the list to make it easy to pick my five preferred tile layers. The other tile placement game that 
or the other um, function of this list that I used is I picked not necessarily my five favorite, but five significant ones out of my collection. So I'm, I ignored games that aren't part of the collection I have, even though some of them are very good. For instance, it's hard not to say that Castles of Burgundy is one of the best tile-laying games, but it's, it's not in my list here because I don't own a copy. In fact, I've never played that on hard copy. I've only ever played it online, usually on Boite Um, where I'm currently having my best game ever of that game. I suspect things will turn around any moment and I'll lose, but right now I'm doing very well. Okay, so five tile-laying games that I really enjoy in no particular order, but I guess I'm generally trending from, in terms of the feeling of tile-laying, least to most favorite. Um, So I'll start with Azul Summer Pavilion. You could also say Azul here. I like those games pretty similarly, although I like Summer Pavilion slightly more because it feels slightly less cutthroat to me than the original Azul. Now, Azul Summer Pavilion is a tile-laying game in that you are collecting tiles, then choosing where to put them on your board, and making those choices shapes the way that you're going to get points or not. Um, It also comes in fifth on my list of games because... um, the tile laying is least consequential, perhaps, uh, by which I mean to say you don't get to pick where your tiles are going to go in Azul. They have to go in a pattern as prescribed by the game. Now, if you play in the advanced mode where the colors aren't on the board, you get much more freedom, but you still have to put them in the pattern that they are on the game. There are some other games where the pattern is a little more free free flowing and or restricted in some other way. But in Azul the pattern is restricted by the board that you're placing the tiles onto. In terms of tile selection, which is a key part of Azul, a big part of the game is watching what other people are doing and kind of anticipating what do you think they're going to take so that you can take things that you want. Part of what makes Summer Pavilion better for me than the regular Azul is that there's this bonus board where you can go to get tiles and you control that by completing certain areas on your board. So there's a rhythm by which you can reward yourself through careful planning and accelerate your own placement of tiles in a way that is eluded in the other Azul game. So that's Azul Summer Pavilion, my number five, quote-unquote. Let's see... I'm categorizing on the fly in case you hadn't figured this out. I'll say my number four is the Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Now this game is interesting because it's... hmm, It is a tile placement game. You are buying tiles. You are placing them around, making a sort of castle out of them. Um, And you're definitely trying to figure out how to arrange them so that they're most effective. You definitely don't want to... You definitely have to think about how they're going to plant, how they're going to fit together, and think about what you need to do to make them connect in a way that's going to score you the best points. So all of those things work really well in terms of what the game is doing. You also do have the purchasing that you're doing, which is acquiring the tiles is is always a big part of a tile placement game. And in Castles of Mad King Ludwig, there's this great auction mechanism that's not something I've seen. I know it's in other games, but uh, I've experienced it best in that game. 
I think that the designer, I think it's Ted Osbach, also used this in suburbia. But uh, in Castles of Mad King Ludwig, the head architect each round, it rotates who's doing it, gets to decide how much each tile is going to cost. And in uh, connecting and selling the tiles, then players pay the head architect for the tiles. So there's a really interesting element where you're watching what other people are doing on their boards so that when it's your turn to price the tiles, you can price them in a way that will maximize your score and minimize the score, or that will maximize how much you earn. If you price the tiles too high, then people won't buy them from you. Because one of the things they could do is just not buy a tile. When they do that, you don't earn any money either. Um, but if you price the tile that you want too low, maybe someone else will buy it, and then you'll get the money instead of getting the tile you want. Of course, after everyone else buys a tile, then you can buy a tile as well. So there's an interesting push-pull in setting up the tiles for purchase in Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Also, I like the theme of the game. There's lots of just the story that emerges when you buy things and put them next to each other makes for a great game there. So that's number four, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. My number three is a frantic one that I've mentioned before on the podcast I don't think I've ever played properly, and that is Galaxy Trucker. Galaxy Trucker, the Vlada Shavado speed game in which you assemble your ship of plowing parts with the goal of having it survive while you fly through space. It is pretty fun. It's supposed to be pretty frantic, but I've never played it that way because my children like to go slow. So when we play, we're always kind of meditative and I mean, we don't go super slow, but we take our time building the ships, which is always plenty of time for me to build a quite, quite a robust ship, as opposed to when some people will play a faster game, you might quickly build a ship that you think is adequate, not great, and then grab the number and start the timer, and that will force everybody to build a ship that's maybe even worse. Um, some people don't really like the outcome of Galaxy Trucker, in that you, the second part of the game, has a thing that Vlada Shavato really likes to do, which is set stuff up and then see what happens. So in Galaxy Trucker, you're going to build this spaceship, and then after everyone's done building, then you encounter, you fly your ships across the galaxy and encounter obstacles along the way. And you don't, and you, you can get a little preview of what those are going to be, but, um, but I found most people don't really spend much effort trying to do that. And instead, they just build the best ship they can. The other challenge about Galaxy Trucker is the faster you go, the less choice you have about where you're putting things. Because you're only allowed to look at one tile at a time. At the beginning of the game, all the tiles are face down. And when, the, when they say go, you start grabbing tiles out of the middle, one at a time, face down. So you grab a tile, it's face down, you pull it over your board, and then you're allowed to look at it. With, you're only allowed to use one hand. You look at it, and then you decide, do you want to put it on your board or not? If you don't put it on your board, you have to put it back, but now you put it back face up, which means your opponents can grab it without, they know what they're getting when they grab it. So there's an interesting decision point of, do you expend that advantage in order to wait or choose not to place a tile that you don't really need? There's also these complicated instruction rule, construction rules, which if you screw up, then you 
your ship falls apart and it's very funny and silly and I really enjoy it. Uh, it's a game I wish I could play more and probably should. Uh, it's also a game that should be played frantically in a way that I've never played. So maybe I would like it less if I did get to play it that way. But as it is, it's my number three tile laying game, Galaxy Trucker. All right, I have two, two left on my list I want to talk about. Uh, my second favorite tile laying game is Baron Park. Baron Park is a pretty simple tile laying game. Uh, even if you're playing in the quote unquote advanced mode, uh, all you're doing is on your turn, you pick a tile from the market and you are on your turn, you place the tile on your board. And if you cover up one of several symbols, then you get to take another tile from the market. And then on your next turn, you get to play another tile on your board. And if you cover any symbols up, you get to take a tile from the market and so on. The game goes until someone has filled all four of their little areas and then you score points. It's really meditative, really fun putting bears on your board and uh, just a really good game. I do have the expansion, the monorails and the um, grizzlies. I have not gotten to try that yet. I really should. Uh, it looks exciting, and I, I really do like Baron Park a lot. Uh, it's one of the few games I've played. I played it, I went and bought it immediately. Like, I had so much fun uh, playing it that I was I was like, yep, we got to have this. And we played the heck out of it the first year we got it. So that's Baron Park from designer Phil Walker-Harding. Um, one of the things that's really fun about that game is the planning you get to... Um, the part of what makes the game interesting is that you, the pieces that you're taking are all irregular shaped. Um, there's a bunch of different shapes. And so part of what you're doing is planning out two, three, four moves ahead. As you think about how your pieces are going to slot together, you're also keeping an eye on your opponents because there's two main ways you score points. You score points by completing the kind of bonus contracts and you score points by, completing your boards and getting these little statues and at the beginning the boards and the statues are really worth a lot on a four-player game there's some big points to be earned if you're the first couple people to make statues so you're kind of racing for that but at the same time there's big points to be earned for fulfilling the contracts big points to be earned for taking the special bonus tiles so there's a bunch of different ways that you can score lots of points and Trying to do all those things at once is a lovely little puzzle. So that's Baron Park, my number two of the five. I'm counting down from five to one of my favorite tile layers. So before we go to the number one game, I have a couple honorable mentions here. These are games that I think probably could make my list if I were in a different mood or whatever, but for whatever reason, they didn't today. First of these is Voluspa, or as uh, fellow pegheads know to pronounce it, Voluspa! Um, Voluspa is a tile laying game from Scott Caputo, published originally by Stronghold Games. I don't know who the current publisher is. But in it you have a bunch of tiles. It's basically an abstract. It's themed around Norse mythology, but barely. Uh, you have a bunch of numbered tiles, and those numbered tiles ha mostly have special powers and values. And each turn you put one tile down, and it's if it is the highest value tile in its row and column, you're putting them in a grid kind of, uh, then you get to score points equal to the number of tiles in that row or column. 
So for instance, if you put your tile down, let's say if you put your tile down and it is now the, the, the row and column of that tile are, it is now the long, the highest value of the cards in the, of the tiles in that row and column, then you score that many points. So if the row has four tiles in it and the column has three tiles in it, you would score seven points. Oh, it's really good. Very interesting interactions between the different tiles. Lots of different cool special powers in the tiles that make for uh, fun and interesting play. Uh, lots of depth. Um, I haven't even really used the bonus tiles yet. The game I, the addition of the game I have came with some bonus tiles or a mini expansion or something. Uh, so Voluspa is definitely a game I would enjoy playing more than I do. I started playing it on Yukata, so I've been enjoying it there. And I encourage you to give it a try. You can give it a try with me if you like. Wombat929 is my name there. Uh, the other game I want to mention as an honorable mention, a tile-laying game that I really enjoyed. I did mention A Feast for Odin at the beginning. I would call that honorable mention. Just I, I eliminated it because I feel like it's a worker placement game with a heavy element of tile-laying rather than being a tile-laying game with a heavy element of worker placement. I feel like the worker placement is slightly more important. Um, but the, the other one is Isle of Cats. The Isle of Cats. The main reason this didn't make my list is it's brand new to me. It isn't a game I've played very much, and so I feel like I don't yet have a strong sense of where it would land in this list, so I'm not including it at all. Uh, honestly, it's very similar to Baron Park in a lot of ways. Uh, it's a little more complex than Baron Park if you're playing the complicated version, but uh, really good and definitely shares the same DNA, and I think would make for a fun game. Will make for a fun game and will probably be in my top list. Uh, if I were to do this again in six months, I bet I Love Cats would be in the list. All right, finally, my number one tiling game. Can you guess what it is? Knowing me, dear listener, knowing the kinds of games I enjoy, knowing the kinds of games I've talked about as being tile layers, have you figured out what my number one is? That's right, Carpe Diem. So Carpe Diem is a game I got uh, midway through the year last year, and I have enjoyed the heck out of it. It is a great uh, middle, middle weight tile laying game. In it, you are collecting tiles and adding them to a little town that you're making. Um, you score points in a whole bunch of different ways based on where you put the tiles, based on what other kinds of tiles you buy, based on this grid of scoring cards that comes out. Um, and to get the tiles, you have to move your piece around this little market and anticipate what your opponent wants. In a two-player game, you also have the issue of the market disappears, so you see that there's three things available when, in fact, your opponent will take one and the other two will be gone. It's a great twist. Uh, the scoring is a little complicated, but once you've played a couple times, it all kind of clicks together and makes for a really delicious soup to sample while you're playing. And just overall, I think it's a fantastic game, and I really, really enjoy it. Um, so... Now, I have a couple Steffenfeld games in my collection, uh, namely, I think I have three, La Isla and Carpe Diem and Aquasphere. And I think Aquasphere is a great game, but I haven't played it much because it's super deep. Uh, Carpe Diem is just right. It's a tasty bite, not too, not too difficult, but super fun. 
uh, really scratches all the itches for me. And uh, it's a great game. The one flaw for me is I find the theme pretty dull. I mean, you know, there's sort of a loose explanation about why, like, if you get a bakery, then you get a bread piece. And if you get a, if you get two chicken fields, you get a chicken piece. And okay, sure. But uh, ultimately, that part of it is not very evocative for me. The excitement of building a Roman town. Okay, well, whatever. But the game itself is so good. Uh, a top, a top contender for me and really enjoyable. So from that regard, Carpe Diem becomes, uh, stands out as my favorite tile laying game when compared for their value as tile layers. Uh, honestly, I did not look at my top 50 to see how, how many of these games are in my top 50. I think at least three. Feast for Odin, Baron Park, and Carpe Diem are definitely in my top 50. Uh, but also, I didn't really compare where they landed. It's possible they're in some sort of different order in my top 50 than they were on this list, but that's okay. Who says someone has to be consistent in their objective, in their subjective opinions? Not me. I don't say that, which is good because I'm the one podcasting. So what tile laying games do you enjoy? Which ones did I leave out of this list that you would have put in this list? Um, Which ones do I need to play? There are a few that uh, certainly come down as great tile laying games that I've never tried. Um, But I'd be interested to hear which ones you would have put on this list had you made it. You can tell me those things by email, brendan at rattleboxgames. That's fine. Uh, Or publicly, you could head over to BoardGameGeek. This would be the preferred way. And visit the Pick Up and Deliver Guild, number 3269, uh, and post there. My username is wombat929, and I keep an eye on that guild. So if you post, I should see it, and I'll probably reply. Uh, the other regular listeners will will probably reply as well. And hopefully they'll already be having this conversation when you get there. Well, that's just about it for me today. I'm just about home. The clouds have shown up and the sun has gone away. And I am, as I predicted, feeling a bit chillier now. Though thankfully it did not rain. Thank you for joining me on my walk today. And I hope that your next walk is as pleasant as mine was. Bye-bye. Brought to you by Rattlebox Games.